Hello, friends. You are listening to Art Blog Radio, recorded in Philadelphia. My name is Logan Cryer, and in this episode, you will hear a conversation with myself and the fabulous Chelsea Luster. Chelsea Luster is a Philadelphia-based curator, visual artist, and art instructor from Baltimore, Maryland. Their curated group exhibitions focus on exploring social and political concepts regarding race, gender, and sexuality. In Chelsea's work as an artist, they focus on intimacy and vulnerability through depictions of empowered female figures in various drawings, paintings, and printmaking mediums. Chelsea uses bathroom scenes in their work to explore the relationship between queer Black women in the bathroom with regards to privacy, trauma, and isolation, while also focusing on voyeurism and the idea of growth and rebuilding. In our conversation, Chelsea and I discuss their background as an artist and curator and discuss the particular challenges of working independently as both, especially as a person of color. Chelsea has curated a new exhibition that will open at Vox Populi Friday, February 11th. The title of the exhibition is Waiting When the Water Rises. You can learn more about this exhibition by visiting Vox Populi's website. Chelsea and I began our conversation discussing how they ended up in Philadelphia after growing up in Baltimore. I was looking for colleges and I didn't want to be in Baltimore so like it's a little too close to home but I checked out Temple and I was like this is perfect it was just like everyone seemed really cool Tyler seemed really cool it was also like two hours away which I'm like I could do that it's like my mom can't just pull up on me immediately but like I could go see her if I I want to (laughs) if I miss her I can see her you can see me but like she can't just like pull up right Yeah, so that was the balance I wanted. Um, So then I ended up here. And did you minor in anything when you were in Tyler? No, I I took some like photo classes and some curation classes, but that's it. I didn't like minor anything. Well, see, that's what I was curious about because you curate a lot, and you started curating in Tyler. So I was like, oh, maybe there's a curatorial minor among us. No, I wish. I mean, they may have one now, but they didn't have one when I was there. So I just mm. like internships and like jobs and just really asked everyone about it. Like all the professors, like, how do you curate? Where should I go? What should I do? How do I get into this? Is there a class? Is there a course? Um, so I took all the classes I could. And then, yeah, I was doing internships and just got into it. What was the first show you curated? Ooh, it was at Tyler. Um, and Stella Elkins. So I did a show about romantic and platonic intimacy in different relationships. Um, I think I had like 30 artists. Um, and it was like three different, yeah, it was three different rooms. It was a very ambitious first project. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember doing it. And I was like, oh, yeah. like, I have so many people applied. I have 30 that I love. I'm just going to do it. And then I was like installing at 5 a.m., like crying, like, this is so much. Oh, it ended up being really beautiful and exciting. Um, and like the reception was so massive because you know when you like carry each other, and there are a ton of artists, it's like, whoa, like everyone's here. This is so fun. Um, so that's when I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to try to do, you know as a job and like <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I know 
I I don't know exactly how I heard about it, but I know you through your curation because you had curated at Little Berlin. Um, yes. Rest in peace. But at the time, this was in 2019. Yeah, that you had curated the show 19.5% Women in Politics, which I wrote about on our blog. And then you curated another show at Da Vinci Art Alliance in 20. Was that 2020 or 2021? I think 2021. I think it's supposed to be 2020 and then it got pushed with all the pandemic pushes. Right, right. But it was so exciting just to see those shows because there's not a ton of independent curators in the city. And I was just really excited to see someone who was working really ambitiously. I guess there's not really a question there, but I would love to hear you talk about those shows a little more. Yes. Thank you so much. I also remember seeing you, this is so specific, but I remember seeing you at Little Berlin because I think I reached out to you for something, either to write about oh, the show. You told me about yes. the show. That's how I yes. know about it. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> looking you up and then I saw you at the, either the opening or the closing or one of the, yeah. I saw you walking around taking notes and I was like, I wonder if that's Logan Cryer. <laughs> I didn't say anything because I didn't want to be like, hey, I emailed you and invited you. Is this is this you? So oh, I yeah, just, I, w- I would have hated that. So thank you. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> that was the vibe I was getting with the notepad. I was like, okay, I'm just going to let Logan do yeah, But it. also, like, I can't believe I was at the opening taking notes. That's a mess. I should have just gone <laughs> another day. But regardless. <laughs> I thought it was amazing. I felt like so special. And really, really appreciated and seen. So yeah, that was a huge moment, but like it was ingrained in my mood. You were not a Little Berlin member. How did you end up curating that show at that space? So I wrote a proposal for it um, for 19.5%. So that's all about women in power and women in politics. And then I wrote the proposal and sent it out to a bunch of different galleries. Um, and a lot of people were like, no, we're not doing this. We don't take calls. And then eventually Little Berlin was like, yes, you can have your show here. Uh, so that's really just how it happened. I just oh, wow. was emailing and, you know, DMing people and calling and just trying to find a space for the show. Because that's the first show I did outside of Temple. So I was just looking for a spot and they gave it to me. And, and they had a open, I think like, month or a couple weeks in one of their smaller galleries but then whoever was going to be in the bigger gallery backed out so then we push it into the bigger Uh, gallery yeah yeah if I recall correctly that show was like an open call so was it you had the idea for the show and then once you had the venue you released the open call yeah oh wow that's what I did yeah I got secured the spot and then put out the call and you know waited for people to submit stuff and I had some people that I had in mind that I was like hey submit you know I love this piece or some artists that I personally invited but yeah it was mostly open call that's how I met um, some artists that I still work with today and that I'm like dear friends with too mm. so, yeah and then your show at um Da Vinci Art Alliance which you mentioned was going to be in 2020 and then you know and then it got you know the push yeah the big push of every art thing yeah um, so that was sanctuary and that was about queer safe spaces um, and that was really fun that was my first time doing a show through a fellowship mm. so the Catherine Pam Packer fellow for da Vinci so 
They help fund the show. They help me with like the promotional materials. They help me with install. They had all the pedestals, all the everything. So that's the first time that I really had like a lot of like kind of like institutional support with mm-hmm. the show. That wasn't just like, hey, here's the space, but like, you know, good luck with it. Yeah. We only have so many people on hand to help you out. <laughs> yeah. So that was good. That was good. And then I got to do like, um, work with like installation artists and there's photo and paintings and all the fun things. Um, and that's the first time I really did a lot of virtual programming too, which was cool. Mm. So we did a little gallery walkthrough and had a nice video and did Instagram lives for each artist. Yeah. Having had like a super DIY, like self-directed experience and that supported experience I mean, just looking back on it and then maybe speaking potentially to like future curators, what were some things you learned about what's maybe different between the two or like why one might go more towards one than the other? I mean, definitely like when you're independent, you definitely have to do more grant writing and like find funding yourself because I put out a lot of money for my shows. Mm -hmm. Um, Even ones that are like institutionally supported, I still end up putting out some money so just like you know if you don't have any support at all like get those grants that would be my advice don't spend all your money you know and also like I did always like contracts and like try to keep things super professional so I'd always keep that in mind because like if something does happen if like a piece breaks or like if you know something happens with shipping like you don't want to be liable for that especially if you don't have a whole institution behind you to back you with Mm. lawyers and like all the things protect yourself and also if you do work with an institution like you know if you have ideas and you want things done like just kind of stand your ground and be confident in your decisions because when I do talk to other curators or like people that are creative that want to do things I feel like there's this idea that you can't ask for a lot or you can't ask for specific things or that like you have to be very like grateful because you're getting the support Mm. but ask for whatever you want and do whatever you want if they say no they say no but like I don't know I feel like as creative people and artists and especially artists of color like you really need to demand what you want Mm. when you're working with institution because like as artists of color, I feel like sometimes we forget how much an institution is gaining from having us a part of their, like, you know, space and, like, just having our ideas and also having just us as beings, um, as representation, as, like, their diversity sometimes. It's like, this institution gets so much from that mm-hmm. that we need to get everything we can from them and demand exactly what we want, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that kind of creates a balance, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting way to think of it in terms of balance. Yeah, your show was really great, which I also reviewed. And then I think after that, we finally met. Yes! <laughs> um, but a big way that we've been interacting is through Vox, which you yeah. are now a member of. Yes! <laughs> And I know you have a show that's coming up. I forget exactly when it opens, but could you talk a little bit about it? Yeah. So the show is called Waiting When the Water Rises. So that's going to open on February 11th. So it's going to be like a soft opening from noon to six. And then 
um, a larger opening on first Friday. It's the March 4th, 6 to 9. But yeah, that's my next show. So that's going to be about the relationship between Blackness, like Black people in water in a couple of different ways. So I have one artist, Ashante Kendall, that's thinking a lot about water and histories and hair textures and kind of meshing them all together in these mm. like beautiful abstract wavy but curly um, paintings so Ashante's work's going to be in it and then I have Kahari Turner who's doing some paintings that also tie it to history but he focuses on very specific bodies of water whether water their bodies that he grew up around or you know roots that he finds that are from his Africa, African diaspora, like the Nile River, really anything that he finds really important. He takes those and brings them into figure paintings. Um, and then I have Angel Chanel Edwards, who's doing a couple different things. Uh, so there's some installation and there's some photos, but a lot of their work is about dance and rituals and the connection between the body and earth and water. Mm. And my last artist is Arian Wilkerson, who's doing work that's mostly about the environment and climate change and how that affects Black people specifically. So those are my artists. That's the show. It's a lot of video. There's a lot of installation. There's a lot of paintings. There's everything. Um, So that's coming up. So I'm installing that right now. It's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe it might be up by the time this is released potentially. So if you're listening, how oh how when does it close? Did you say like mid March? So I think March 14th. Okay, mid March it'll close. So people are gonna have to get on it quick, so they mm-hmm. don't so they don't miss out. Yeah, it's a it's a quick one. It's a quick one. It will be open um, starting February 11th. But we're just having a reception on March 4th. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Open to the public. People can go anytime. But if you want to go to, you know, a reception and, you know, meet some artists and meet the people, then that'll be on March 4th. You mentioned earlier that there's some artists that you've continued to work with. But how do you generally find new artists? Like when you have a show idea, are you then seeking out people or is it more like you're discovering people and then you come up with an idea of how to put them together? Usually I like continuously look for people and go to shows. Like you're an amazing curator. So I go to your shows or like watch all your shows on Instagram. So that's how I'll also keep a bank of artists or really just, you know, kind of keeping plugged into the art scene in Philly and going to as many openings as I can and just meeting artists and kind of keeping them in the back of my head. Like I saw Arian's piece at Icebox a couple mm. weeks ago. And then I was like, oh, this is amazing. So when I was creating the show, I was like, oh, I need to reach out to Arian. Or for Ashanti and Kahari, I met them at a residency in 2019. And mm. we just kind of kept in contact because I also just really love them as people and think that they're, amazing and super talented so with this show I thought about them because um, I've been watching their work through Instagram and you know mm. all the things I'm an angel I've been watching their work forever so you know I just like continuing to watch people and try to go to shows and keep up and keep my eyes on Instagram <laughs> in the real world when it's safe to be there um, that's what I've been doing can I ask you that question too yeah, 
I have found it's really hard to like, if you have an idea of the type of work you want, I have found it nearly impossible to find it. It's kind of like you have to either know the artist beforehand or know a platform, like a space that you can then reference back to. So to say like, I remember seeing this exhibition like three years ago. Let me go back and look at that artist list. Or I know this person curates, like, let me see some of the people they've worked with or something like that. But honestly, so much of it is just kind of trusting the vibe will be out there and you'll know it when you see it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it's not, it's, it's hard. And I've, I have found the, best way for me to do it is to not focus on artworks like specific pieces but to really just go off of like the vibe of the creator Mm -hmm. and then usually like honestly 10 times out of 10 for me if I feel that vibe and I talk to them they actually will have the specific piece that like makes sense with what's happening but you just have to kind of always be keeping that mental bank of like what have I seen who have I met you know but it seems like that to some people can sound a little too like networking or too like business minded. Like I'm meeting people to keep them in mind for my projects. You're saying no, no. <laughs> no I think that, like, I mean, I think that's the best kind of networking there is to be yeah. honest, because it's like, it's not like you're Googling, you know, different artists and just like emailing them. It's like you're showing up for people and you're interested in them and their work and like you want to show it in something that you're passionate about. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm. You know, like I said, for like some of the artists I've known for years. So I'm like, if I have an idea and a show and I want them to be in it, I feel like that's nice. You know, yeah. I the bank that who's of artists whose work you believe in and care about. I think that's lovely, personally. I don't know. If someone was continuously thinking about me and my work and invited me after a couple of years, I would be flattered. I'd be like, are you still thinking about me? You like my work that much? Like, oh. I, I think it's kind of touching. But maybe I'm, I'm also kind of corny. But I think it's touching. <laughs> <laughs> it can be both. It can be both at the same time. You're right. You kind of mentioned this uh, a little bit earlier where you mentioned that there have been exhibitions where you've had to spend some of your own money to put them together, which I don't know if people think that curators make money putting together shows on an independent level. Most of the time they do not. And it is the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) But to that point, I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of curious. You've been curating for a few years within the city. How are you finding like curatorial opportunities for people? Do you find it's hard to find opportunities? I mean, you mentioned doing a bunch of cold calls when you were looking um, for a host for 19.5, but what are the particular kind of struggles that come with, you know, not being attached to say a major institution that's kind of paying you a salary to curate shows in their space? Mm, It's definitely like, it's a lot of rejection, which I think people don't talk about enough. And I think it, you're afraid of rejection like that's something you got to try to work past because like I've definitely applied for a lot of different spaces and curatorial fellowships and all the things and been rejected by them but every once in a while you get some it's amazing and it's exciting but I think that application process of like finding different spaces um 
can be exhausting at first, but then eventually you create connections. So like now, because I had to show up to Vinci, I kind of have a connection and a relationship with them. And now that I'm a member at Fox, you know, I can curate shows there. So I think it, at first, it can be a lot of just applying, applying rejections, applying, applying, but eventually you start to just form these relationships with people or other curators like you. Um, So then, you know, you start to kind of have more ease with finding space and time. But at first, I think it's just a lot of rejection, a lot of putting yourself out there and your ideas out there. But it definitely, I think it gets easier as time goes on. Mm. You get more experience and you have like photos of your installations and your shows and you have, you know, spaces you work with. And then I feel like it's a lot easier slowly to do it. But yeah, but there are also a lot of virtual platforms now. I think people should take advantage of like there. I can't remember the name of it, but there's some websites where you can like build a virtual gallery or like, you know, like you have yours on Instagram, you have Snail, which is really cool. So I feel like there are starting to be more platforms where you can create exhibitions online if you can't find physical space. So I think people should also do that too mm-hmm. while applying for fellowships and cold calling and showing up to places and meeting people. Right, just take advantage of every platform available. Yeah, yeah, yeah every way. And also, like, I feel like some places I've created connections with just, like, as a person and not even as a curator, like, I got connected to Vox just through a talk I was going to do. Like, I was going to moderate a talk a couple years ago. Wow. And it ended up happening because of the push, um, the big push that we're talking about of everything. But that's kind of how I got my foot in the door and started you know talking to Danny the director and the other members because I was interviewing each of them about their work and kind of like getting involved that way so I think just showing face and showing up Mm. while you apply 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 right so then if your application does come up they'll say oh I know this person talk to them I like know what their work is like and you're not just a person on a piece of paper you know Mm. yeah that's interesting to think about presenting yourself or making yourself present in such a way where you're not solely just relying on, you know, whatever haphazard artist statement you can throw together. Mm-hmm. I mean, your statement's nice, but it's hard to write this thing. It's so hard. <laughs> Mine isn't even that nice. I appreciate you. <laughs> well, I was, I was actually going to ask about this because like, so you're an artist and a curator and there's a lot of really kind of pedantic questions I could ask about the relationship between the two. And maybe we'll get to those if we have time. But firstly, I'm just curious, like when you're talking about applying to things and having rejection and, you know, networking and having opportunities, how much of that overlaps with your painting practice? Do you show a lot of work? Do you have a similar kind of drive, like in terms of, all right, I'm going to try this and try this and try this and just get my work out there? Yeah, it's like the same thing with my art where like I'm always applying to different stuff I have a fellowship right now with the Center for Emerging Visual Artists who like they've been helping me get my work out and connecting me a lot and helping me also sell some stuff which has been fantastic um you know we love money we love it we love it (laughs) so yeah I try to keep that same drive up with my paintings and like get them out there and also try different mediums and like push myself and apply for different shows but it's nice to do it at different times. Like if I'm curating a show, I might take a break from painting. Or if I'm painting a lot, I might take a little break from curating or like try to just not have like insult week the same week I'm painting something. I just mm-hmm. like you know, 
try to balance it so that I'm always making something and always being creative, but I'm not burning myself out by doing too many projects at the same time and working because, you know, I almost got to work. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a job during the day. So I try not to push everything um, and create a very intentional timeline. But yeah, I definitely, I still show work and show paintings and sell paintings and all the good stuff. Can you talk a little bit about if you had to kind of give an overview of what kind of paintings you make and what they look like and what they're about? Can you share? Yes. So my paintings are mostly figurative. I do a lot of self-portraits and they're usually oil on panel. I did a huge series of bathroom paintings that I'm about to start shifting away from. Um, But I compared the bathroom to my personal experiences of having like this room that's supposed to be this safe space in this like very private, intimate space, but also like talking about it and thinking about it as an illusion, how a bathroom is just like any other room or any other space that's not particularly safe. Um, so I just like, compare that to just my experiences living where I never really feel comfortable or safe anywhere in any spaces. So I created a bunch of bathrooms about that. So like these huge um, life-size bathrooms that are, you know, beautiful in some way, but also a little bit uneasy in other ways. So, like sometimes the colors will be really vibrant, but like next to muted ones that are kind of uncomfortable or like, the person will be in a bathtub and they'll kind of be floating, but kind of be drowning at the same time. So just mm-hmm. kind of playing with different tensions um, in the bathroom. So that's the series that I was working on for probably two or three years almost. And I'm about to transition into something different, um, which I'm still figuring out. Yeah. But it's going to be something with masking the figure in a way that's really loud. Um, hmm. That's what I'm thinking right now. I'm playing around with it and I want to play with some different textures and patterns and colors that I've never used. Yeah. So I'm figuring it out. And I also want to try to get away from self-portraiture. Um, okay. But I don't know how I'm going to do that yet. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where I'm at right now. I want to make these really loud paintings where people are kind of in and out of their spaces um, and the spaces are really important to the figure. Mm. It won't be me, but it'll be someone that's kind of, you know, swallowed in their space. Mm. Yeah. I'm kind of curious and you don't have to go into too much detail, but to hear you talk about this body of work with the bathrooms that is clearly really personal to you, was there something that you kind of worked through or after years doing that series? Like, what was the thing that kind of made you say like, okay, I'm ready to put this to rest and transition? Because I think artists often make really personal work and I'm, yeah, just really curious to hear you articulate what that pivot was. Yeah, um, I've been thinking about that a lot lately too. I think for a while, I just knew that the bathrooms were coming to an end. Hmm. For about like six months, I was like, okay, like I'll make a few more bathrooms, but like it's starting to not feel like I need to explore anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like I'm just interested in looking into something new, you know, because I do love the bathrooms, but 
I am not as interested in them and making them anymore. Um, where I can do them and make it beautiful, make it, you know, make it fit. But like my excitement about the work has started mm. to develop. So I started to brainstorm and try to think of different bodies of work. And I found something that I was like, oh, this is exciting. Like, I want to paint. I want to go to the studio. I want to stay in the studio and make this. Mm. And I always want to feel that about my work. So now I'm ready to move on. Because the last couple of bathrooms I made, I just wasn't feeling excited about them or challenged by them. Mm. And I feel like that's when it's time to move on to something else. Yeah. The last question I have is in terms of your curatorial practice and your artistic practice, obviously there's some thematic overlap. Um, Just kind of speaking generally, what is it, how do they overlap and what is it that you feel like you're really trying to like express and communicate to the world? That's such a big question. I know, but I know you like big questions. I love big questions, but I'm like, whoa. Um, hmm, they do overlap a lot. Usually when I am thinking about something with my own art, if it's a big question or just something I've been thinking about, like I've been thinking about water in my own work for a bit. I want to see what other artists have to say about it and their approaches. And that's usually how I come up with a theme for a show. But when it comes to what I have to say, as an artist... And with my own work, I don't know if I, you know, have anything to say with it right now. I think that mm-hmm. when I was in school, when I was an undergrad, there was so much pressure to make work that says something to an audience. And now I'm just kind of making for myself. Mm-hmm. And if it applies to a show, great. And if people want to buy it, great. And, if, you know, if that happens, it's amazing. But I think, especially after, like the first shutdown when everything was super you know all over the place I started making these party paintings because I just miss social interaction and those paintings were just for myself and for my happiness and just to like kind of put myself back into these moments where I was just like out and having a good time and those were entirely for myself and they sold pretty well and people wanted them and it was great. But like, those were just paintings that I needed to make to just, mm. you know, feel good. So I've been trying to more stay in that space, just like making stuff that like feels good to me and feels important to me. But I do think that being visible, like having figures, whether it's myself or like other black women or other black people visible and very like confrontational in paintings in a way that's like they're owning the space is really important to me in all my work. Um, And that is something that I definitely want people to get from it is that like this painting is theirs, whoever's in the picture, Um, Mm. that the space is theirs and like you get to look at it, but you're welcome. Because <laughs> this, <laughs> this is theirs, you know? Like, this is their space. This is their world. You're welcome. That's, that's such a perfect way to say it. <laughs> yes, because it's like, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. Um, there you go. And that's not me trying to boast myself up and be like, I'm the best painter. Because like, there are so many talented people in this world. But like, to be able to view 
Black figures in paintings and view Black people in art, I think it's a privilege, especially mm-hmm. if you're Black. So I think that as like a Black figurative painter, that's important to me. And that's probably why I paint figures is because like it's important for us to be seen and heard in different ways. And I think that's honestly the most important part. And then my own concepts are for me. What I think is for me, my ideas are for me, but like, we will be seen. <laughs> You'll see us. Rest assured. Rest assured. <laughs> You'll see us out here in somebody's wall, you know. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Well, um, I think that's going to close it out. Is there any last thing that you want to promote or share? Can people follow you on Instagram? Yes, people can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is Chelsea Lester Art. So it's C-H-E-L-S-E-Y, not A, but it's a Y and then L-U-S-T-E-R and art, like A-R-T. That's me on Instagram. Also the website, which is just my name, Chelsea Lester. But yeah, you can follow me on there. You can find me on my website or Instagram or anything. Oh, if an artist is potentially wanting to share their work with you, is it okay if they hit you up? Oh my goodness. Please hit me up. Like, please DM me or email me. Like, my email is also my Instagram and website, but like, hit me up. We can hang out. Like, if it's safe in the world. (laughs) When it's safe. But I love meeting artists. I love seeing work. Like, also, people just want to send me their shows and what they're doing. I'll go. Like, if it's in Philly, even if it's not, if it's close, if it's on the East Coast, I'll go. So, yeah, hit me up. We can be friends. And <laughs> if you're cool and nice, we can be friends and I'll look at your work and we can talk about it. Yeah, I love that. I love when people DM me. That's how I've met some of my best friends. They've just like slid in my DMs and been like, hey, you make art. I make art. Let's hang out. And I'm like, yes. Oh my gosh. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. Also, sometimes people hit me up if they want to know like opportunities to apply for stuff and shows and mm. all that. Also, hit me up for that if you want to. I'll send you everything I got. I'll send you my like documents too if you need some help writing stuff. I don't know. I'll send it all. Don't be shy. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> hit me up. Yeah. All right. Well, now, everyone, you have no excuse to hit up Chelsea. The doors are open. They're wide open. I love it. I think it's so nice. You know, we only need more of that. Because, like, how else Mm. are people going to know what to do? Like you said, there aren't a lot of independent curators, especially that are, like, young and, like, super open and kind and sweet. Like, there aren't a lot of us. So why not? We can get coffee. Great. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview. It was so great talking to you. Thank you for listening to Art Blog Radio. Please be sure to listen to our other episodes and to check out theartblog.org for more content on Philadelphia arts and culture.